Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for today. Yeah, I thank you. Let the fire of your liquid love drop into every heart this moment. Hold us tight, grip us strong, until all we see is your face and until all we know is your eternal forgiveness. Thank you, Father. Through your weight in this building, give me nibbleness of man and agile thought. Let your people be edified. Let the demons be terrified and you alone be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So Ephesus, Ephesus, God help me do this today because there's a lot that I want to unpack in one meeting. So we, we began by saying that Ephesus is what? We are, we are my students. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Ephesus is the release from bondage or imprisonment. It is also forgiveness, the pardon for sins, letting them go as if they were never committed. And so we, we said that we said that it's impossible to let sins go as if they were never committed, except someone else is paying for the sins. Are we together? I need you to ride with me tonight. So you can't say sins are freely or totally forgiven and let go as if they were never committed, except somebody is paying for that sin. And then we established also that um, for someone to go scot-free, somebody has to be the scapegoat. Are we, are we together? Uh, yeah. For someone to go scot-free, someone has to be the scapegoat. And then we went on to say that Jesus is then the scapegoat for the believer. So because he became our scapegoat, we can walk freely as though we never sinned. And that's what the Bible calls justification. So every time they ask you to define justification, don't worry your head. The simple definition is justification, just as if I never sinned. Come on, let's say that together. Just as if I never sinned. One more time. Just as if I never sinned. So that's what justification is. So you appear before God, even though you have flaws, but he doesn't see them. Because every time he looks at you, he's seeing you through the lens of Jesus. Do you understand? When the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, what he was saying was this, I put you in my son so I can shield you from, my, from your flaws. Hey, are we too early? <laughs> so I put you in my son because if I wanted to deal with you, God wants to deal with man, but man is imperfect. So the only way to deal with man is to put man in a being that he can relate with say it again god wanted to relate with man but he couldn't relate with man because man was flawed do you see that man was flawed so the only way he could relate with the flawed man is to put the flawed man in a perfect god yeah. uh, so, but, but notice he didn't put that uh, god he didn't put the imperfect man in and in a perfect god he put the imperfect man in a perfect man because what God did in redemption was to become man, to save man. Wow. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? So, Venus uh, Cardis. So, God wanted to relate with man, but God couldn't relate with man because man could not, man couldn't meet up with the requirements. Because from the moment that Adam fell in the garden, there was separation. There was enmity. So, man is trying to reach God. God is trying to reach man. So there's a gap somewhere. And that's why man started offering sacrifices. So I told you the other time that religion is man's attempt to reach God. But Christianity is God looking for man. So what you then find is this. Uh, Christ is the mediator. So what you find is this. Whilst man is struggling to meet God, God looks at this guy. If I leave you like this, 20 years, you know, go reach. 600 years, you will not reach. <laughs> so God is looking at this guy he's struggling to get to him they even tried to build the tower of Babel but they couldn't get there because you see the God they were trying to reach in the physical is spirit the God they were trying to reach in the physical with their physical buildings hey, is spirit so physical architecture can't reach a spiritual God so what he then did, can I see to man? Are you ready? So what he did was this. This man is trying to make a physical architecture to get to a spiritual God. And God looks at him and says, no, let me make you the architecture. Yeah. 
So you are making a building to get to a God. The man, God says, no, let me make you the building. So instead of coming to me, let me come into you. Intimacy, intimacy. I see glory. Are you following this carefully? So, so man's attempt to reach God is what you call religion. God's attempt to reach man is what you call Christianity. So when you say things like, I found God in 1995. No, you didn't find him because he wasn't missing. You were the one who was lost. He came searching for you and found you. So in the reality of grace, you are lost but found. Are you hearing me? So the believer is lost, was lost, but found. How did they find you? In Christ. In Christ alone. So God wanted to relate with man, so he put that man in Christ so that he can relate with that man. So Jesus Christ becomes the proxy for man. Are you getting this now? So I, I shared with you then that your conduct is not the validation for salvation. Your conduct is not the validation for salvation. Because if you think your conduct is the validation for salvation, you keep looking at your flaws when you should be looking at Christ. Do you see that? Do you see that? So um, 2 Corinthians 5.19 then says that to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself. Not counting men's sins against them, but counseling them. Now, so why is he not counting their sins? Because he's counting it on Christ. So when God is not counting your sins, it's because he's counting it on Jesus. Do you see that? To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Do you see? He's not imputing. The word here imputing is an accounting term. It means you are taking record. You are taking stock. So God sits down. Imagine God sits down and every sin you see, he's taking record. There will be no book for it because you took the sin. <laughs> God, I thank you. So, so, so God is not, I need to teach. So God is not counting, because you know I told you the last time, listen. It's easy for you to say I'm forgiven. It's easy for you to say I don't confess sins. But you don't have a, a, a basis for that statement. Now when you don't have the basis for the statement, you can be swayed from that. So what we're trying to do is not just teach you to make you excited, it's for you to know how you arrived and where you arrived. So because, you see, if we both go into a mathematics exam, I can do the further math and tell you the answer. And you write it. When you submit it, the lecturer will say, show working. You say, X is, how did you find it? You say, CS there, C there. No, how did you get there? Almighty formula. Are you getting my point? So, so you're not just getting the rudiments of the gospel so you can be excited. You need to show walking. So the idea of showing walking is that you are now a skillful son who knows how to rightly divide the world. Because if you're not skillful in the doctrine of righteousness, you become a babe in the faith. So you can be a son born by grace, by faith, but you are a baby being tossed by every wind of doctrine. So teaching and Showing these things is what makes you solidified in the, in the faith. So Isaiah speaking about it says that you'll be grounded in righteousness, established in righteousness. He didn't say that you will know righteousness. He says that you'll be established. So what gets you established is the teaching. Are you seeing that? It's the teaching. Because if you're not taught, you can't know. See, oh God. Revelation knowledge is different from mental ascent. Revelation knowledge is different from mental ascent. So you can have mental ascent. And you're just confessing. Confessing. But see, when it comes into revelation, when it sits in your heart, you know. 
even when you're not speaking, your environment is, is loud. So you can be... That I can walk into a room silent, but I'm, I'm shouting. Why? There's something I know. So your knowledge creates a force field around you. Energy is a vibe. That's how you meet somebody. This guy is lively. He's not even saying anything. There's, so, there's an aura around him. Why? He knows something. There's a consciousness he carries. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So that's what we're trying to do, what we're doing. Give me back my scripture. So God is not counting your sins. Why? Because he has counted it on Jesus. So when someone is asking you, how do you know you are forgiven? You are, you are telling the person, I'm forgiven because the, 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 the requirement for my sins was placed on Jesus. Do you see that? You must be able to explain it. Don't just shout, I'm forgiven. How? How? I'm free indeed in Christ. I'm free indeed. How? Are you getting where I'm going? How? Because like I told you the last time, everybody at the Logic Church is a minister. Is a school. It's not business school. It's Bible school. You see, the problem is this. You know why we have many Bible schools? It's because the church failed in its assignments. Originally, there was not meant to be Bible schools. The church, the ecclesia, the gathering of the saints was designed to be the Bible school for the believer. So because we started doing business summits in church, we started having Bible schools outside. The church is supposed to be the foundation for truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying, guys? So, but we have turned it into a prosperity seminar. How to get rich quick. Five steps to make it in this year. You will not make anything. You will not. Listen, listen. You will not make anything. Because the purpose of the church was not how to make it in life. The believer made it in Christ. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So when you stick with that revelation, life will align for you. But most of us are now seeking the things of the world and we've lost the essence of our lives. We're not called to make it in life. That's not the calling. Because if we're called to make it in life, then Jesus failed. How many houses did he build? How many followers do you have on Instagram? Are you getting it now? If we are called to make it in life, then Jesus failed. I told you the other time, Jesus, listen, he died early so you can live his life. He lived a half-life so you can live a full life. Hey, are you getting what I'm saying? He lived a half-life so you can live his full life. So, hey, so the essence is this. What he would have done if he lived a hundred years, he should be doing now. So if he were here, we leave the plane by Jebu. Naira bets. So, so, so you see, your life must draw its essence from the ministry of Christ. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? Are you getting what? So I told you, your your conduct does not validate your salvation. Actually, it's your salvation that corrects your conduct. So if you're focusing on your conduct, you will miss it. Because you see, your conduct might be off, but your salvation is real. So you don't question your, the genuineness of your salvation based on your conduct. Because the man can be saved, but he's still going through a process. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? So your sins are not forgiving you because you are living right or because you are confessing. Your sins are forgiven because someone died. And then he rose again. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are we getting blessed already? So we went on to say that resurrection then is the validation for the forgiveness of sins. That was where we were last week and then we had the moment that we had. Resurrection is the validation for the forgiveness of sins. Are we together? 
Because why? If he didn't rise, your faith is useless. You are still in what? Your sins. I think that's where we should go to from today. Give me 1 Corinthians um, 5 verse 17. TPT. Glory to God. So, if Christ is not alive, you are still lost where? In your sins. So, what it means is this. You can confess, but if he did not rise, you are still in sin. So, what validates the forgiveness of sins is not, Father, I'm sorry. So, the believer can confess his sins, his flaws, but if Jesus did not rise from the dead, he's still in sin. Your confession is inconsequential. Because the wages of sin is not, I'm sorry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The wages of sin is not, I'm sorry. You will do it again. The wages of sin is not, I'm sorry. The wages of sin is not for that I did it. Because you see, 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 see. When you come before God, it's not what you did, it's what he did. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Give me Romans 6 verse um, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now note, I explained this to you the last time. Follow me carefully. I'll do it again. When he said the wages of sin is death, he was saying that the punishment for sin is death. So in other words, when a man sins, the punishment required to satisfy justice is that the man should die. Are you getting that now? Follow me carefully. So what it means is this. When a man sins, he has to pay with his life. He's not going to say, I'm sorry. He will pay with his life. But the problem we have is this. Follow me. Hey, hey guys, look up, look up. The problem we have is this. If the man pays with his life, he can't resurrect to collect forgiveness. Hey, hey. Look at, look at this. So, if a man sins, the punishment is death. But we cannot give the man forgiveness until he is dead. So, the man who dies has to rise up to get his forgiveness. You don't get forgiveness in the grave. So, God saw the picture and said, no, this man can't die. Because if he dies, he can't get up. I'm the one who has capacity to die and get up. So, what he did, he became the man. He became the man. He became the man. Notice he became the man. He didn't just die for the man. What he did first was take the sin of the man. Are you getting me now? Because if he died for the man without taking his sins, they will still punish the man. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when he took the sins of the man, he died, and then he got up again. When he got up, he had forgiveness to now give to the man. So what he accomplished belongs to the man. So when the man is saying, I'm forgiven, it's not because he paid, it's because someone paid. So the payment of Christ is now credited to the believer. So when Jesus rose up, having died for the believer, he got up with a receipt called forgiveness. Put up a receipt for me. The receipt, the picture. Glory to God. So this is what he came up with. So when he got up, he came with the receipts. Punishment fully served. He didn't serve half time. He served full time. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the, uh, so it was sealed with his blood. It's not handwritten signature. It's blood speaking. Signed with blood. Are you getting what I'm saying? Paid in full. So when the accuser of the brethren shows up and says, you did this, you present this. So whilst we are using this to explain it to you, actually the receipt of forgiveness is Christ himself. 
So because you have him inside of you, you have forgiveness of sins. Because forgiveness of sins is a person. Are you getting that? And that's why, God help me tonight. And that's why Romans chapter 5 verse 8, we touched that last time. Put it up again. Are you getting blessed so far? Romans 5, 8, let's do this quick. But God commended his love towards us in that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Give me a simpler translation. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Give me the message translation. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. Now, and even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless service. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use to him. You brought nothing. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying now? So, so, so look at this. So what you get from this now, follow me guys, follow me guys. So what you find here is this. God showing up to die for us while we're yet sinner means what? Unconditional love. So unconditional love cannot give conditional forgiveness. If he loved you unconditionally and came when you didn't ask, he can't come now asking for you to confess to for, for he to forgive you. So unconditional love cannot ask for conditional forgiveness. Guys, show working now. We are telling you how you arrived at the answer. How did you get to I'm forgiven in Christ? Are you, are you getting? So if, if, if he came by unconditional love, his forgiveness cannot now become conditional. So unconditional love will give back to unconditional forgiveness. So in that case, then you don't have to ask to be forgiven. Because when he showed up to die, you didn't ask for him to die. You were on your own just going. He showed up. He said, this one will not be lost. And then he chose to die for you. If he chose to die for you, he chose to forgive you. So you're asking or not asking is inconsequential. Why? Because, you see, it's without the shedding of blood that there's no remission of sins. So what deals with sin is blood. Not I'm sorry. Not tears. Tears of sorrow. You can cry from now to next year. Nobody, nobody will be forgiven until blood is what shared. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I like the way you are. You are getting it. Get it well. Hallelujah. So, following this, then we now arrive at Romans five twenty. Romans five twenty message translation. So, all that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. So every time they came up with a law against sin, they increased the people that sinned. Because nobody could keep the law. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nobody could keep the law. But sin, didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. It says, when it is sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. So what you call grace, God calls aggressive forgiveness. So aggressive forgiveness here is premised on Romans 5, 8 that we just read. That he showed up to die for you when you didn't deserve it. So his unconditional love now brings aggressive forgiveness, which is not conditional. Are you seeing that now? Are you following what I'm saying? So I have to look up what is, what is aggressive now. Why is forgiveness aggressive? Give up. So it says aggressive then is behaving or done in a determined and forceful way. So you're not asking for it, but God is forcing it on you. He is determined and he's forcing it on you. You get what I'm saying? So, so we now see what are the synonyms of aggressive? 
The first one, assertive. So in forgiving you, God is assertive. He is confident. He is forceful. The next one. Competitive. In other words, when you put up your sins and his forgiveness, your, your sins don't match. Are you seeing that? The next one. Insistent. So even if you chose not to be forgiven, he will force it on you. Are you seeing this now? The next one. Vigorous. The next one. Energetic. God's forgiveness is not coming down. Are you getting what I'm saying? He says aggressive forgiveness. Naim the rushes. Next one. Audacious. Next one. He said, go ahead. Next one. Zealous. Next one. You never finish. There's one more. He's pushy. So in other words, God's love coming to the believer is, you can't resist it. Because you see, if you don't understand this, you would think, how? Your, your asking can't get it done. Your asking can get it done. Next, next one. Proactive. So proactiveness and forgiveness is he's not waiting for you to ask. He takes the initiative knowing that you will need it. So he sends it. So God saw the believer, this guy will need forgiveness. And he sent it to his future. It's forgiving. Are you, are you getting this? Next one. In your face. So the forgiveness is in your face. You will, you will get it. You, you know how, you, you, actually that's true. You know how that, you know how that if you Googled, if you Googled a bag, the next time you're opening another place, you see a bag. Forgiveness, they follow you everywhere. It's in your face. It's in your face. It's, it's rude forgiveness, right? Are you getting blessed so far? Are you getting blessed so far? So we see, we see then that this is the kind of forgiveness that God has towards the believer. And one of the pictures that we have of this in scripture is in Luke chapter 15. Glory to God. So this is the story of the prodigal son. Are we together now? Let's, let's look at this. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And I am here dying of sakba. Are you following now, guys? Are you following? Are you following? He says then, I will go home to my father, guys, and say, Father, I have sinned against you and heaven. Next verse. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. He says, please, take me as a hired servant. Verse 20. So he returned to his father. Now, he has already memorized his confession. So he said, my father has more than enough. The, the servants have more than enough. So I'm going to go to my father and I'm going to confess like this. Are you seeing that? Look what happened. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. So it was not his confession that brought the father. The guy has what he will confess. <laughs> he didn't get the chance to confess. Because God doesn't need your confession. When God responds to the believer, he responds from nature. It's not your confession that compels God. The actions of men cannot trigger the move of God. 
So it was not his confession that made the father run. As a matter of fact, listen, when he left home, the father stood at the bank holy every day. This guy will come back. Because love doesn't give up. So he's, every morning he came and stood, sat down there. My son will come back. This one will come back. It's not my will that any should perish. He sat down there every morning. Oh, not today, not today. Tomorrow I come back again. And then he came the next day and sat down there waiting for the son. Many years. Every morning he was there. Because if he wasn't there every day, he would have missed him. See, he was patiently showing up. Aggressive forgiveness. So when forgiveness saw him, forgiveness ran. The first time we see God running, <laughs> it was forgiveness on two feet. Are you hearing what I'm saying, guys? Forgiveness saw him. He said, no, you don't have confession to make. I'll show you. And then he ran. The father ran. Thank God. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now notice, this guy just finished eating pig food. With the rags on him. Because when forgiveness comes to you, it doesn't consider you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Next verse. Oh my God. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. Follow me, guys. Follow me, guys. Look up. Look up. I have sinned against you, both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Next verse. But his father said to the servants, Quick. When you are confessing, God is not talking to you. Every time you show up to God with your confession for sins, he doesn't answer to you. What we see here is that two servants followed him when he ran. So when the father took off to the son, goodness and mercy followed. Where is he going to? Who is making this man run like this? So the son began the confession. And the father did answer him. Because the only time God answers your confession is when you're confessing about what he did for you in Christ. When you're confessing your sins, he doesn't pay attention. Because he doesn't know what you're saying. As far as he's concerned, there's no record. Are you getting what I'm saying, guys? He says, quick, bring the finest robe. See, this guy won't talk rubbish. Quick, 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 quick. I, I, I'm sure he must have hey, hey, shh, get the finest room because you see, 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 when you the confession of sins is proof you've lost your identity. So the father knew where the problem was coming from. So how you are talking shows what you've lost. He says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. So the moment the identity came back, his talk changed. Are you seeing that? He says, get the ring for his fingers and sandals for his feet. This guy must have trekked from Ikorodu. Bev, you will lose your mindset. Mental health issues will do you. It's coming from a lot. Next verse. It says what? And kill the calf we have been fattening. So the day he left, they started preparing a... The day he left, we've been fattening a... You will come back. So what it shows you is here, the sacrifice precedes your confession. So when you show up before God bringing confessions, he's looking at the sacrifice, not you. Not you. He says, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. When reckless love meets reckless son, forgiveness is the answer. 
when, when reckless love meets reckless son, forgiveness is the answer. You know what I'm saying? So he says, kill the calf. Jesus slain. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. We have been fattening. We've been preparing the sacrifice. Because when you show up, your confession wouldn't be the answer. The sacrifice would be the answer. So there was a lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. Before the confession was needed. So he didn't have to complete the confession. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We must celebrate with a feast. Next verse. For this son of mine. Not, we called him prodigal. The father still called him son. We called him prodigal, but the father still called him son. He says he has returned. He was lost, but now he's found. The party began. Party after party. So every time, every time there's a revelation of the forgiveness of sins, there's restoration of sonship. Because I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can perceive that people around were saying, the prodigal guy is back. The naughty guy is back. The waster is back. The father said, no, he's still my son. He's still my son. You're still God's son. There's someone in this room, you've done crazy things and you think God can't forgive you. God says, you're still my child. Your sin can stop me from coming to you. Who am I talking to? Your sins can stop God from reaching you. You hear what I'm saying? That's all like, that's all there is, right? Good. So I, I established the last time then that on the premise of this revelation then, the believer has no business going for altar calls. The believer has no business going for altar calls. And I told you that, you see, when believers answer altar calls, they are saying they are not saved. And why do believers go for altar calls? Because they want to confess. So we have a theory that says that when you confess, you're saved. Confession doesn't get you saved. Believing gets you saved. I'm going to break that for you in a bit. I need you guys to pay attention. Confession doesn't get you saved. Believing gets you saved. Why is this important? If you think confession got you saved, you would think you can confess to get forgiven. I'll say it again. If you think confession got you saved, then you would think you have to confess to get, born, to get forgiven. You didn't get saved by confessing. You got saved by believing. Are you following what I'm saying, guys? You didn't get saved by confessing. You got saved by believing. I'll show you from scripture in a bit. Are we together? Are we together? You're learning something. This is very important. I need you guys to pay attention. Glory to God. So, so, coming, you know when they say come forward? Coming forward is not coming to Jesus. You just change your seat position. Coming forward is not coming to Jesus. A man can be in his seat and he already came to Jesus. Because how you come to Jesus is putting faith in the gospel. It's not confession that gets you saved. It's believing that gets you saved. Are you seeing this? Believing gets you saved, not confession. This is very important, guys. Very important. Very important. Very important. So, um, you will think that... Give me Romans 10.10. 10. This is where we have a conflict. Give me KJV first. Guys, this is, I, 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 would, I would really love that when you show up for church, you're writing. It will help, really. Now, Romans 10, 10. It says, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you will think that he's saying, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Right? Are we together? Talk back to me. Yeah, so ordinarily, looking at this, you now think, oh, there are two conditions for salvation. Which means if you believe, you must confess to be saved. No, it's one condition, believe. And I'll show you in a bit. I'll show you in a bit. So Jesus, 
sets the precedence and tells us what, how to get saved and how to come into eternal life. Give me, give me um, uh, uh, um, John chapter 6, verse, um, what's that scripture there? John 6, 47. John 6, 47. Look at this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me had what? Everlasting life. Notice there's no confession here. Guys, listen. When you study your Bible, pay attention to details. So Romans 10, 10 says, you must believe and confess. But that's the only scripture that says you have to believe and confess to get saved. As it were. But confession doesn't get you saved. It's believing that gets you saved. So we see from Jesus who gives us the template. He says, if you believe in me, you have everlasting life. No confession needed. So where did confession come from? I'll show you in a bit. John 3.16. John 3.16. Run with me, please. I need to get on that thing first, please. John 3.16. For God so loved the world, follow me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what? Believeth. Guys, guys, talk, talk, talk to me. Whosoever what? Should know what? Perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't say whosoever believeth and confess it. Do you see that? Do you see that? Give me John 3 verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Did you see confess there? So Jesus is speaking about the template for salvation. He doesn't mention confession. He says believe. Are you seeing this? Give me John chapter 5 verse 24. guys you're driving me today verily verily i say unto you he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me had what everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death to life no confession again so how did paul arrive at romans 10 10 believe and confess go back to romans 10 10 kjv so we've seen what jesus says about salvation he did not mention confession so Paul shows up here and then says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with mouth he confessed unto what? Salvation. So if you don't understand that Jesus is not mentioning confession, you would think that you need to confess to get saved. So the man who sits in his chair and believes the gospel is saved without confessing. Because if you look through scriptures, nobody was told, say after me. Guys, guys, pay attention. We're in school right now. Man. Nobody was told, say after me, Lord Jesus, come into my life. No. As they heard, they believed they were saved. So the prerequisite for salvation was believing, not confessing. How did they get to Romans 10, 10 confession? Say after me. So just by sitting in this room, if an unbeliever walked in and believed that he died for me, he died as me. When he was buried, I was buried with him. When he rose, I resurrected with him. And now I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. He gets saved. Don't come outside. Just stay there. So now what happens then is this. Confession is now necessary because you got saved. So you can't confess except you are saved. I'll show you in a bit. I'll show you in a bit. Now give me Acts, give me Acts 10. Give me Acts, Acts 10, 34. Acts 10, 34. Guys, guys, let's run. Simon, I need you on that stuff, please. Acts 10, 34. Now look at this. Peter shows up at the house of Cornelius. Con hey, guys, every house. Guys, pay attention. Don't sleep now. I know you're not used to School, school, don't sleep. Wake up, wake up. Slap somebody, wake up. Now, 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 look at this, look at this, look at this, guys. Look at this, look at this. We're, we're teaching, we're teaching. Now, Acts 10, 34. Cornelius is a good man. He had a vision of angels. And they said, you're a good guy, you're giving alms. But your alms giving won't get you salvation. Send for Peter to come and preach the gospel to you. I'll deal with this some other times. Because angels don't preach the gospel. Don't worry, I'll, I'll get there some other time. Not today, not today. 
Should I? No, no not today. Clarkson, leave this thing. <laughs> we don't have time. Now, 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 look at, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. So Peter now comes to his house to preach to Cornelius. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now look at, Peter now begins to preach. He opens his mouth, following, and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Next verse, I need to run on this one. But in every nation, he that feared him and worked righteousness is accepted with him. Next verse, the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Next verse. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Now here this guy begin talk gospel. All the while he was talking history. Because there's a Jesus that walks Galilee. There's a one that rose. So when he was talking the first time, he was just telling about Jesus that walks the earth. When he entered, God raised him on the third day, resurrection. Because what the gospel is what he died. He was buried and then he rose. Are you following what I'm saying? Next verse. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. No confession. Hey, you missed it. Peter did not say, say after me. He Go back to the other verse. Go back to the previous verse. Him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Next verse. No, no, no. You're jumping. You're jumping the verse. From 40, 41. Glory to God. Hey, don't keep listening, please. For the one, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat, drink with him after he rose from the dead. Next verse. And he commanded us to preach unto the people to testify that it's he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. Next verse. Listen to me. To him give all the prophet witnesses that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sins. Gospel. 44, what happened? While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them. Forgiveness of sins. So when they believed, they received forgiveness. They did not confess to receive it. Because Peter was still speaking and the Holy Ghost came. So the Holy Ghost bypassed confession. So, Peter did not say, if you want to speak in tongues, now speak after me. No, Peter was still speaking. Because what he was saying was the, was the gospel. So, the moment he said the gospel and they believed the gospel, they got saved. And because, see, 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 it was not Peter that knew they got saved. It was the Holy Ghost that knew. Hey guys, hey, 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 hey guys. Peter was still talking. In his mind, he was, he was, he was planning the time to get to water call. The Holy Ghost knew these guys have believed. He came on them. So he wasn't waiting for their confession. He bypassed their confession and then he landed on them. Why? Because they believed the gospel. Are you seeing that? So you don't need confession to get saved. So how did go back to Romans 10, 10? To teach today, God help me. There's a lot discord. I haven't even touched this thing. So, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made. So what is confession in this context? Romans 10, 10. Now give me a living Bible. Give me a living Bible. It's not there. It's there. Find it. Not today. I give you living Bible. Please check. Are you there? Good. So look at this. Look at this. Look at this. For it is by believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God. And with his mouth, he tells others of his faith, confirming his salvation. So what? Hey. So confession in that context was not confessing to get saved. It was confessing to let others know what you believed. Listen, listen, because when... Guys, listen, now follow me. So when you sit here now and you believe the gospel, I don't know what you believe until you open your mouth. So they told others what they believed by confessing, confirming 
their salvation, not to God, but to people. Because God knew they were saved, but others did not know. So your confession is acknowledging your salvation. So the essence of confession in the faith is not to confess sins, but to confess righteousness. So you can only confess when you have received. Is this flying over your heads? So confession here is not speaking about confessing to get saved. It is confessing as a witness to what you have believed already. So they believed in the gospel and they confessed so that others will know they've believed. So you realize there are some Muslims who have believed in Jesus but they are not confessing so that they won't kill them. So, the, so how you know that they are saved is when they start talking. But they are shy to talk because their imam might communicate them. So confession doesn't get you saved. Believing gets you saved. Is this making sense to you already? Is this making sense? Wish I can run this. Glory to God. Glory to God. So then are you saying we should not confess sins? Are you saying we should not confess sins? I'm not saying that. Let's see scriptures. Guide, I said today's what? Teaching, school. Follow me, follow me, follow me, please. First John 2 verse 12. Look at this. I am writing to you, dear children, because what? Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. So if your sins are forgiven, why are you confessing? Listen, the goal of this meeting is not to excite you, it's to show you. It's to show you. So when he says your, your sins are forgiven on account of his name, it doesn't mean that you now say, Father, please forgive me my sins in the name of Jesus. No. What it means here is this. Before his death, he had a name. After his death, a name was now given to him. So, after resurrection, the name stopped being a nomenclature. He became a tool for ministry. The name also became an implication of his death, burial, and resurrection. So, what he's saying here, your, your sins are forgiven on account of his name, is that your sins are forgiven on account of his sacrifice. Because the name here now represents what he did. So, he's not in the name of Jesus. Because you see, you can pray in the name of Jesus and still not pray in the name of Jesus. See, praying in the name of Jesus is not ending your prayer with the name. Praying in the name of Jesus is, is coming to God as though you were Christ. So, 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 so that's what you find with Esau showed up Jacob before, showed up before Isaac as though he was Esau. So when he came before Isaac, he was wearing the clothing of, of Esau. When the father felt him, he was feeling who? Esau. But the voice was Jacob. So when you stand before God, he feels you. Jesus. He puts his hand there. He can feel the nails, the holes. But the voice is clacking. Say, but I will bless you regardless. <laughs> so when you show up before the Father, you are coming as though you were Christ. So it is the consciousness, not the mention. So because you are now conscious of the name, you can now say in the name of Jesus. But if you said in the name without the consciousness, it's, it's defeating the purpose. Are, are, you, are you getting something tonight? You're getting something tonight. So he says your sins are forgiven on account of his sacrifice, not on account of mentioning the name. Give me Psalms 32 verse 1 to 2, TLB. I gave you TLB, God knows. Now look at this, look at this. What happiness for those whose guilt has been forgiven? What joys when sins are covered over? What relief for those who have confessed their sins and God has cleared their record? Now notice, you find confession here, but then go to Romans chapter 4. Paul is now citing what David said, but look at this. King David spoke of this, describing the happiness of an undeserving sinner who is declared not guilty by God. In other words, 
men can declare you guilty, but the declaration is from God. Next verse. Blessed and be and to be envied, he said, are those whose sins are forgiven and put out of sight. Notice he doesn't mention confession. David mentioned confession when he was talking about this thing. Why? Because he lived in the Old Testament. And the only way to get sins forgiven was to confess them. So the pattern changed after salvation. The moment Jesus died, you didn't need to confess to be forgiven. Why? Because he is now your forgiveness of sins. Are you seeing this, guys? Are you seeing this? Give me Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. Okay, good. Now, it says, How we praise God the Father and Lord of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in heavenly places because we belong where? To Christ. Not because we confess. Next verse. Follow me. Long ago, even before he made the world, God chose us to be his very own through what Christ would do for us. He decided then to make us holy in his eyes. So you may not be holy in everybody's eyes, but in his eyes, you are holy. He says, without a single fault, we, we who stand before him covered with what? His love. So why can you boldly come before God? You're covered with his love. Do you see that? Next verse. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by sending Jesus to die for us. And he did this because he wanted to. Next verse. Now all praise to God for his wonderful kindness to us and his favor that has been poured out upon us because we belong to his dearly beloved son. Next verse. So overflowing is his kindness towards us that he took away all our sins through his blood of, the blood of his son by whom we are saved. Not through your confession. Through the blood. Are you learning something? Are you learning something? Hebrews 8 verse 12. Let me wrap this up from here. For I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins, what? No more. So what I'm giving you now is scripture. So when someone says, how, how do you know you're forgiven? On what basis are you forgiven? You can point to scriptures. You can show from scriptures. You're not just excited. You're not just shouting, I'm forgiven. How do you know you're forgiven? On what basis are you forgiven? When you say we don't confess sins, how do you arrive at that? Are you getting what I'm saying? Give me, give me Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 to 28 message. Glory to God. Let's read this. For Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. He entered the place itself. Entered the place. Guys, listen, listen. So there's, there's an earthly version of the holy of holies. And then there's the holy of holies in heaven. He did not enter the earthly one. He entered the real one. And offered himself to God as a sacrifice for our sins. He doesn't do this every year as the high priest did under the Old Testament. So those guys were doing it every year. He did it once. <laughs> it says they did it with... <laughs> go back, go back again, go back again. Under the old what? Plan. With blood that was not their own. If that... <laughs> If that had been the case, he would have to sacrifice himself repeatedly throughout the course of history. So they were doing the sacrifice with a blood that is not their own. So the only way to make the sacrifice eternal was to sacrifice your own blood. So they had to now take animals. But when Jesus showed up, listen now, but he instead, he sacrificed himself once and for all, summing up all the other sacrifices. In his sacrifice of himself, the final solution for sins. So the sacrifice of Jesus is the final solution for sins. So if his death is the final solution for sins, what are you confessing? You're confessing his death. So your confession should be what he did, not what you did. Are you getting what I'm saying now? So every time you show up before God, you are confessing, I am forgiven. I'm eternally forgiven. Are you seeing that? My sins are forgiven. There's no longer any record against me. Why? Because he did that as the final solution for sins. If you are confessing when he's the final solution, it means you are saying he didn't die enough. So for every time you confess, you are saying Christ needs to die again. Are you getting the picture now? So, but Christ can only die once. 
Because when he died once, his death covered for sins forever. So 20 years down the line, the kids that will be born will still get forgiveness from one death that he died. He wouldn't have to die again. But the other high priests, they had to offer this thing regularly. Why? Because it was animal sacrifices and the blood was not enough. But Jesus is the sacrifice that surpasses judgment. Are you seeing that? So when he hung there on the cross, judgment fell on him. He was waiting for all of it. And when there was none left, he said, it is finished. It is finished. It's not a cliche. It meant that everything was done. And it was really done. I hope with these few words of mine. <laughs> Guys, listen. Honestly speaking, we're not done with this. True. So we're going to do our faces again.